All right. Well, hey, uh, so for all of you who grew up in church, he is risen. All right. That's right, man. That's been said for thousands of years. Here we go. Hey, uh, my name is Dave Nelson. I'm the pastor here. I just want to say thank you right along with Mike. We just welcome you here. And um, on this really, truly, we can actually say this, on the most important day that's ever happened in human history. This is the most important event that's ever happened in human history. And so it's awesome to be able to come together and to gather to, to reflect on this. And so I do just want to say, for, for those of you who maybe just came with family members or, or friends and, and the whole idea of Jesus Christ and just in church, resurrection, all that stuff is new to you, it's welcome. And, but, but this is so exciting for, for us to have you here and to introduce you to the possibility of something beyond what we've ever dreamed or imagined. And for all of you who are like me, who, you know, been walking with Christ for hundreds of years, it's a, <laughs> feels like it sometimes, right? For those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, this day never gets old. This day never gets old. This is the hope that literally, this, the celebration of this day is the day that gives us hope every day of our lives, all right? So it is because God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, so whoever wouldn't believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so we're just so grateful for your, that you're here. And as you can tell, we are going to celebrate today. We've got some baptism. We've got some people camped out right here who are going to be baptized today, which is going to be super exciting. And, um, and so we're, because of that, we're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take our offering right now together. And, uh, and I just want to say again, if you're here, if you're a guest, if you're just visiting with us, don't worry about this moment. Just thank you. We, we are just so glad that you're here. But those of us who, who make K2 our home, who follow Christ, we love this moment. This is our moment, right? God so loved us that he gave. We so love him. And whatever you love, you give to. And this is our chance to do that faithfully to him. So give Connections team, go ahead and you can begin to, to pass those bags around and, uh, and we'll jump in here. I told first service that uh, I think it was about a month ago or so I was standing right over here and uh, somebody came up to me and they said, so do you, do you get nervous at all before you go get up there to speak? And I remember just saying, no, I, I really don't. I mean, I've been doing this now for 30 years and I, I don't really get nervous. Uh, but then I realized I lied. Because <laughs> they're actually, it's really weird though. I, I normally don't get nervous. But you know when I got nervous? I actually get nervous whenever I just get to share what I'm going to share with you today. And the, and the reason I get nervous is because this is the greatest news. This thing is so precious. Like if you could actually see this message and it was a jewel, it would be so precious that I feel like the information I'm going to share with you, I'm like, I so want to do a really good job. And so we're going to pray, but I'm not going to pray. You guys, will you pray for me? <laughs> you pray for me, but I'm going to pray for all of us because this really is the greatest day in human history. And it is a day that once you understand can change every day of the rest of your life. It really can. So you guys keep, keep taking the offering and God, I just ask now that your presence, because that's what this is all about. Easter is now helps us to know that your presence is here with us. So I'm asking that you'll anoint the word of God, the scripture, and I pray that your spirit would speak, God, because you know every one of us in this room. 
And I just pray that there would be a fresh wind that would just blow inside our soul today. Have your way. Just do what you want to do today, God. Build your kingdom. Build your family. Encourage us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, here's the interesting thing about Easter. Is Easter is actually supernatural. This is a supernatural occurrence, right? Because we all know that once people die, they don't live again, right? How many of you have been to a funeral and the dude popped out of the casket? Okay, that has never happened, been to a lot of them. Here's something we know. We know that after a person dies, they're done. Because every person who's ever lived on this planet died and you can dig them up and you can see they're, they're dead. Their days were over. And that's why I think a lot of people actually struggle with the idea of Christianity, with the idea of Jesus Christ. Because our whole faith is built on this fact that a man died and then he rose again. But that's, I'm just going to lay it out right now. That's not a natural occurrence. If this happened, that means it is supernatural. And I'm not going to get into the argument of that. We, could, we talk about the evidence for Christ's resurrection. We're not going to go there. Here's what we're going to say. Is if Jesus Christ did rise from the, again, rise from the dead... And if in front of his apostles, if he ascended into the heavens and they saw him disappear into the heavens, if that happened, then what Easter tells us is there is something beyond what we can see and hear and touch and taste and smell. There's something beyond the five physical senses of this world. There is actually a spiritual realm. Now, what's interesting, and maybe for those of us in science, for those of you in science, a, there is a spiritual dimension. There's something beyond that we just aren't aware of, and yet we kind of know it's there. I love the definition of a realm. A realm is a field or domain of activity or of interest. Now, can I just say, how many people are actually interested in the spiritual realm, <laughs> right? And, and here's what's cool. A lot of people are. In fact, I hear people say all the time, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, okay? Well, what does that mean? Really, what they're saying is, I don't trust the church, and I think the church is a joke. And sometimes I go, amen, all right? We know the church can struggle. So I'm not into organized religion, but I am spiritual. Why? Because most people know there's some activity. <laughs> there's something going on that I can't see, and yet I can tell that it's there. And can I just ask you a question? Don't you find yourself hoping that there is? Don't you actually hope that there's something more? That something could actually make sense of this world? Like, why am I here? <laughs> Why does this all exist? What's the purpose of this life? Much less my own individual purpose. And we're looking for something that helps us to know that there's more than what we can see. And, and, and something that can make things right. 
I mean, we look at this world and it's just a mess and it's broken and we're looking for something. We're striving for something that can actually make things right. Something that could actually fulfill us and satisfy us. And so I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Could it be that you and I were made for another world? Something that's greater than what we can see right now. So here's what's interesting. Right before Jesus died, he gathered his disciples together. He's talking to them. And he told them, by the way, if you read the Gospel of John, the book of John, Jesus, all the time through that book, he says, my time hasn't come. My time hasn't come. They keep wanting him to do something. He goes, my time hasn't come. And then in John 12, he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So the time has come. The hour's here for me, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be glorified. And then here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So now what Jesus was, he was doing a prophetic moment here, right? He's saying, when a single seed dies, it produces life. What just one little seed can do. You know what's interesting? So Paul, later on, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he actually taught, gives an illustration, and he uses the same illustration to help us to understand heaven. Because this is what we're talking about, you guys. Today, when, when C.S. Lewis says, me were made for another world, it's, it's really heaven. And, and when you think about, well, what is heaven? So we stop and we go, well, you know, heaven's this place somewhere where we're going to go. Well, actually, Jesus, when his disciples said, hey, Jesus, we teach us how to pray. And he goes, okay, our Father who art in heaven. in heaven. So what's heaven? Heaven is where God is. Heaven is God's presence. So that's the first thing we can know about heaven. It's where God's presence is. Here's the second thing we can know about heaven. It's where his will is done, right? Because it's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You're above and beyond anything else. And then he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is. So what's heaven? Heaven is where God's will is done. It's where, in other words, and God's will is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. It's everything that's beautiful. It's everything that's right. It's everything that's productive. It is peace. I tell you, I don't know why, but I feel like I can hardly get behind a car these days that isn't asking for peace, right? I mean, every bumper sticker saying peace. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is called the gospel of peace. He is the prince of peace. The, I mean, I'm telling you, here's what heaven is. It's where God is, and it's where his will is done. And that's why all of us are hoping when we die, we go to and we're hoping that heaven isn't like here. Like, well, hell would be another place we hope it's not like. Yep, that's true. But I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to do this again. You want to do this again in heaven? No. So you know why? And you won't because heaven is where God's will is done. But here's the catch, you guys, and this is what Easter tells us. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth. 
on earth. So this spiritual realm, God's presence, can actually, this is what Easter helps us to know, where God's will is done can actually come into earth. And that's where Jesus goes. Now this illustration. And he goes, so you were actually made for this. You were made for this. So Paul, he uses this illustration too, and he talks about the heavenly body. And he says, someone will ask, hey, how are the dead raised? Um, with what kind of body will they come? And Paul says, how foolish. What, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So there's, remember, Jesus said the same thing. Colonel wheat has to die before it can produce many seeds. And, and Paul says, when you sow, you don't plant the body that it'll be, right? It's spring, perfect time to talk about Easter. You know, for all of you who have these flowers, you don't take the whole flower plant, dig a hole and stick it in there. He goes, what do you stick in the ground? A seed. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but you just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. Here's what, here's what Paul is saying. He's comparing heaven. Heaven is actually like a tree compared to the seed that you are. So Jesus is saying, this realm, this spiritual world, this presence, it is so different than what you're experiencing right now. It's as different as a seed is from a tree. So can I just ask you guys a question? How many of you have actually been to California and seen the redwoods? How many of you have seen the redwoods? Aren't they amazing? I mean, that is an awe-inspiring thing. So I actually, I, I, I thought about that and I started to imagine and just kind of bear with me here. But I was imagining, like, what if a seed, and I actually went on and I Googled, thank you, Google, because I'm like, man, a redwood seed, how big is it? Is it like this big? You know, because it's going to create this huge tree. It's like, no, uh, you know what a redwood seed? Literally, you can stick it, tiny little thing right in the palm of your hand. So just bear with me. But I was just imagining, can you imagine a little redwood seed? He's sitting on the ground. <laughs> and he's looking up and he's going, Wow, look at those things. They're huge. They're powerful. They're strong. They're beautiful. They're productive. And this little seed's sitting there. And I just, I would want to say, hey, little seed, there's a couple things you need to know. Didn't you know that you actually came from that tree? Right? That seed actually came from that tree. And then you would want to say, hey, and guess what's inside of you? How many little seeds sitting there laying on the ground would have any idea that inside of them that they were actually designed to be what? A red wood tree and what Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying is there is a spiritual realm God's presence that is so powerful and so beautiful and you actually came from that right God said let us create man in our image so you when he created you he actually designed you like a seed that if you will die, inside of you is spiritual 
power and strength and beauty that is way beyond anything any human being could believe is possible. And what, yeah, it is amazing. And I'm telling you, Easter, Easter is what lets us know it's possible. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, strength, wisdom, hope, everything the world is looking for. Easter tells you, you were designed to live like that. So, here's where we're going to go today. I'm going to share with you the first sermon that ever happened after Jesus rose from the dead, okay? So, that's where we're going to go today. And, and there's three things. There's three things that Peter says. He says, heaven enters earth through Jesus Christ. So, here's what I want to tell you, man. That spiritual realm, the power and the presence of God actually entered earth through Jesus. That's what Peter, the first thing he says. Second thing he says is the door to heaven is actually opened through Easter. So the barrier between living like a seed on this planet and now having access to spiritual power opened up because of Easter. And the third thing is heaven can actually enter you through the Holy Spirit of God. Right now, you do not have to wait for heaven when you die. You can actually die now to yourself and receive the power of heaven. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about this. This is the first story. So what's going on? So Jesus rises, raises from the dead, hangs out with his guys, and then he looks at him and he says this. Don't leave here, okay? Until you're baptized. No. Don't, don't leave here. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and when you receive my spirit, he goes, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, when you receive my spirit, you have to go door to door and witness. He said, when you receive my spirit, you will be my witnesses because there's going to be a power that comes inside of you. Okay? So all these dudes are huddled up, right? Um, they're scared to death because the Jews are against them. And while they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. It's called Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit fills them up. And you know what? The first thing that happened, Pentecost is a Jewish holiday. And there are Jews from all over the world who've come to gather to celebrate. All over the world, speaking all different languages. So the first thing God does when he fills these men with the Holy Spirit is they all can speak different languages. Isn't that amazing? You know what that is? What is that? Supernatural. And so everybody in Jerusalem's going, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. How come these guys can speak our language? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And finally someone says, I think they're drunk. <laughs> right? And, and I just got to tell you, when I, when I heard that, I go, I don't think people would think they're drunk just because they were speaking another language. These dudes must have been super exuberant, right? <laughs> they must have been so filled. They're filled with the Spirit of God. And so everybody's like, and I, it kind of reminded me when I was in college. When I was in college, I used to have so much freaking fun that I, it would be a Saturday night and I'd be at a party and do, people go, dude, you are so wasted. And I hadn't had a drink. <laughs> you know? And, and, and what that is, is I think that's what's going on here. They were so filled with joy and everything. This guy, man, they must be drunk. So Peter takes advantage of their question and he starts his sermon like this. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 
So in other words, I think Peter's saying, now if it was three in the afternoon, I'd get it, right? <laughs> it is Pentecost, by the way, and we're celebrating. But here's what he said. They're not drunk, you guys. And then he pulls out an Old Testament prophecy hundreds of years before, the book of Joel. And he says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The supernatural realm of my presence, because of Jesus Christ, I'm going to pour out on all people. Okay? So let's look at his, let me go through real quickly. Here's his message. Number one, heaven enters earth through Jesus Christ. The presence of God came into earth through Christ. Acts 2.22, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So again, what's he saying? He goes, God did this among you. In other words, God showed up on earth. The supernatural came. God's presence entered earth. And he goes, and you saw it. You guys absolutely saw this happen. You saw the redwood, is what he's saying. You saw the beauty and the power and the authority and the purpose of God. And what did it look like? What did it look like when Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh? He says, well, with miracles and wonders and signs. You know what? All of those words simply mean this. They're things that point beyond themselves to a deeper reality. What Jesus was able to do was supernatural, and it was pointing to a another reality. And on April 1st of 2018, he wants all of you in this room, and me included, to know there is a deeper reality that your soul was designed for. So what did it look like? Real quick, four things. He had power over everything. And whenever he used his power, he made it right. So he had power over sickness and power over the demonic world and power over nature even and power over death. Lazarus, rise up. What? That doesn't happen. It does when the king who's beyond the natural enters into the natural. So he had power over everything. Number two, his teaching confounded the wisest of men. I mean, when Jesus would teach, guys were just like, just what in the world? He goes, who is this guy? It confounded them. Why? Because Jesus was saying, I'm trying to use words you guys understand. Can you imagine if I actually use heavenly words? You guys wouldn't even, you wouldn't get it at all. He goes, I'm trying to explain this to you because I'm coming from another place and I came here to testify to the truth, to testify to you that there's something beyond you. So come on, guys, come on, think about this. So when I hear people go, there's no way this could happen, I go, well, what, there's no way this could happen if, if we're limited to the natural world. If there is a God who's supernatural behind this, he should be saying stuff we don't understand, right? Because what are we? We're a bunch of seeds looking at a redwood. And we don't get it because we think we, all we can be are seeds. Anyway, okay. His teaching confounded them. And then, here's the craziest one to me. He never did anything wrong. Never did anything wrong. Like when they actually wanted to accuse him so they could nail him to the cross, they actually had to make up stuff. Because <laughs> they couldn't find anything he had done wrong. And this is my favorite one. I say this all the time, but I love this. Think about this. His brother thought he was God. Anybody have brothers and sisters? Do any of them think you're God? Do you think any of them are? 
No, what's it take, about five minutes together, and you realize, yeah, you're not him, okay? <laughs> you're not him. And yet James gives up his life because he believes his brother is God. The men who spent every waking moment with him for three years believed that he was God. He had character that was supernatural. And here's the most important one. His love, his love, which is, according to God, the greatest thing on earth, the greatest essence of even of who he is, is love. And Jesus Christ's love was unlike any other love. It wasn't a respecter of persons. He loved everyone, especially the people the religious elites despised. People who were righteous and good and above everybody else. Jesus is like, yeah, okay. Let me hang out with these guys. He loved everyone. And here's the crazy thing. And he didn't love us because we cleaned up our act. It says, no, when you're in your mess, he goes, that's when I love you. And here's the other thing that's cool about Jesus' love. He goes, I will never, ever stop loving you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You guys, this is, this is that's why I think Jesus said, Here's how the world's actually going to know if you're my disciple, if you actually follow me. You know how they're going to know? What do you say? Because you love one another. He didn't say because you like walk on water. He didn't say, Here's, people know you're my disciple if you can turn like bread into, or water into wine or, you know. No, he, he said, people are going to know you're my disciple if you can actually love one another. It's the greatest thing. So what happened? Heaven entered earth in Christ. And he could make everything right. And he had power over everything. And he could live righteously. Show us what it's like. And he could love. And here's what's amazing. Number two is then the door to heaven opens through Easter. So now we know because of the life of Christ, there's something supernatural beyond what we see. But there is. And now Easter opens the door so that that supernatural world that supernatural love, that peace, and that strength, all of that is now available. Here's what he says, and he goes on in his sermon. He says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Okay, so I love this. God had a deliberate plan. I remember years ago at my church back in Detroit, we did a series and, and we were like, so who killed Jesus, right? And you think, well, who, yeah, who was it? Because this was a time when people are like really angry at, because who did? It was the Jews. And so we, we, we were angry at the Jews. They killed Jesus. And we're like, no, actually, it was the Roman guys who nail him up on the cross. It was the Romans who killed Jesus. And then you hear this one, right? No, it was you. You guys heard this one? Because it was your sin that was in Christ. And that's what, okay, there's some truth to that. But when you read the Bible, who actually killed Jesus? Who did it? God had a deliberate plan. God sent his one and only son down here. So what, what Peter's trying to say is, yeah, you guys nailed him to the cross. 
But that wasn't because Jesus was like this weak guy who couldn't handle you. No, the reason you nailed to the cross is because God actually had a plan way beyond the, before the history of time of a way to make sure that you would know that you're loved and a way to bring back heaven and earth so there'd be no chasm between us. So, because there has been, you guys, there is a chasm between earth and heaven. There's a wall between heaven and earth. Because you know what? We have a deliberate plan too. <laughs> and our deliberate plan is literally to live outside of God. It's sin. It's just what's called sin. And what is sin? Sin is anything that's not of God. But ultimately, at its core, is sin is when we say, God, I don't want you in my life. And so God says, okay, I gave you that free will to be able to choose that. So if you don't want me in your life, then guess what? Now you're separated from me. And you're separated from heaven. And by the way, you are physically going to die, and where are you going to go? Is my presence with you? Are you in my presence now? And will you be in my presence forever? So this was Jesus, this was the dilemma. God's dilemma is he loves everybody on this planet. So he's like, well, then I got to do something <laughs> to take care of that issue. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the wages of sin, what we earn for wanting to be separated from God is separation from God. And Jesus is going, okay, great, that's what you earn. So I'm actually going to give you a gift. You don't have to earn what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. And what is it? Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Jesus we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In Christ, we have redemption. Do you guys know what redemption is? It's kind of a, here's, here's what redemption is. It means that something actually belonged to you. It was yours. And by the way, every one of you originally belonged to God. He created you for himself. But then when that thing that you own that's yours actually gets lost or gets stolen or gets captured, and now it actually belongs to somebody else. They always use this in the military term. If someone got captured from this army and now they were imprisoned here, what you could do is actually pay a price, a ransom, and redeem the person, rescue them from that camp, and then bring them back to the place where you originally belong. See, and, and here's, what, here's what the Bible, here's what God's trying to help, us to, help you to say. I designed you as a seed to become something glorious and beautiful. But you got stolen and captured by a heart that wants to be away from me. And you literally, I, I think as a Christian, all I realized was I can't say yes to God. Anybody else? I can't say yes to God. And so now I'm, I have this thing inside of me. And Jesus comes and he goes, okay, well that separation, David, that you have from God, the wage you earn for that is death. And so here's where Easter, Jesus comes, and on the cross, he pays the ransom, he pays the price, which is your death. And he says, all of your sin was in Christ when he was on the cross. So he literally already paid for everything. And as soon as he pays for you, he redeems you, and now he rescues you. I love this, Colossians 1.13 says, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He rescued us from a life apart from God, and now he brings us into the kingdom of the son he loves, Jesus. We get brought into heaven, and heaven 
gets brought into us. When Christ died on the cross, you guys, he flung open the door. The wall came tumbling down and the spiritual reality of God's presence became available to every human being. That's what Easter did. And here's my, I've always had this image. It's like every single one of us live apart from God and because of that, we're a slave, the Bible says, a slave to sin. We're like a, we're in this prison and we can't get out of it. I can't stop. I can't stop. Jesus comes and he flings open every one of your doors. Every person in this room, your door has been flung open and now you have access to the kingdom of God, to heaven, to God's presence. So how do you get it? And that's the third point. He goes on and he says this, heaven enters us through the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 32, he says this, God raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. We've seen this. And exalted, he's exalted to the right hand of God and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and he has poured out what you now see and hear. See, so this is Easter. You guys, so let me explain baptism real quick. So people are gonna get baptized and what happens in this? It's just a symbolism. And you, you take somebody and you, you dip them down into the water, right? And that's what that symbolizes is you actually, because you guys remember, what did, what, did, what did Jesus and Paul say? Unless the seed has to what? It has to die. And so how you, how do, well, how do I die? What you do is you literally die to yourself being in control of your life. And instead, you surrender your life to Christ. <laughs> And when you do that, there's a, the symbolism is a baptism into Christ's death. And Jesus, when he died, he died. All of your sin was in him. And this is such good news. So your sin has already been, been punished in Christ. It's, it, you, all of your sin, anything that's keeping you from God, is totally wiped clean. That's so cool. But then, what happened? He rose from the dead. He rose, God raised him from the dead. So we lift people out of the water because you're cleansed. And now, and this is what the Bible says. This is so cool. Listen to this. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Just as you are baptized into Christ's death, when your spirit, this is Christianity, man. Listen to me. You want spirituality? This is spiritual. When you receive Christ, he literally comes, his spirit gets enmeshed with yours. You become, the Bible says, born of his spirit. You know, my best illustration I have for baptism is the word meant to dip something, okay? So here's what's interesting. If you took a white piece of cloth and you dipped it into red dye, when it comes out, what is it? It's red. It's completely new. Why? Because the dye literally infuses itself into every fiber of the being of that cloth. And here's what John the Baptist said. He goes, yeah, I'm baptizing you with water. He goes, somebody way better than me is coming. And when he comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is going to infuse your being. 
And I just want to tell you, for 2,000 years, people have been saying, that happened to me. And I'm just going to tell you, why in the world would I do what I do? Being a Christian is a real popular thing these days, right? No. But I can tell you this, man. When I received Christ, his spirit joined my spirit. And I'll never forget that day, man. Walking in front of the whole church and receiving. It was just like a guy like me, right? Giving this message just like I'm giving you. And then he gave the invitation. And he said, if any of you in this place want to receive eternal life as a gift from God, if you want to receive forgiveness for your sins, and if you want to receive his spirit inside your life to assure you of eternal life now and forever after you die, he goes, then you can come down and you can receive Christ. And I'll never forget, man. Scared me to death. But when I walked down there and I received Christ, I have never been the same. And you know what? I, this is, you, guess what I did? You know what I did on that day? What did I do? I died. The seed literally went in the ground. And for the last 41 years, this spiritual growth has been going on. I don't, I'm definitely not a redwood. <laughs> what if I am? I'm a little one. Yeah. But I can tell you this, my roots have gone deep into the love of God. And the Spirit has been growing me up and building me up. And that's what he wants to do for every one of you in this room. So, heaven enters us through the Holy Spirit. So let me, can I just ask you a question? So how are you going to respond today? See, I'm giving you an invitation today just like that guy gave me. In fact, that's our mission here at K2, is to invite everyone, to invite every one of you today to actually receive Christ, to, to, to have this eternal life, the very presence of God, come in and join with you. So what do you do? I love this. In Acts 2.37, after G Peter got done with his message, in verse 37, it said this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter, and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do? And here's what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this. It's, this is the mystery to me, that every time I share this message, it's like a little seed that goes out, <laughs> And I don't know if that's how, I don't know if anything's stirring inside of you, but if you're sitting there going, how do I actually get this life? He just says there's two things you do. Number one is you repent. You know what repent means? It literally means just to change your mind. That's what it means change your mind, change how you think. Instead of thinking that God is not there or that he doesn't love you or that he's not worthy or that Jesus, change that. And the Bible says repent and turn to God. Change your thinking and turn to God. So that's the first thing you do. And then he says, be baptized. Well, what does that mean? Receive Christ and let his spirit come inside you. Receive Christ and get his spirit connected to yours. And then two things. He says, what will happen? All of your sin will be forgiven. And some of you in this room, you are scared to death because of what you've done. And you need to know when Christ was on the cross, he wants to tell you today, I took all that you've done wrong put it right in here, and it's already been punished. You will never be punished for your sin if you identify yourself with me. 
you'll receive forgiveness for all your sin. And some of you need that today. And you'll receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And God's presence will be with you to strengthen you, to love you, to give you love for others, to give you peace that settles your soul, to give you strength and to give you hope. That's what he will do. And the last thing I want to tell you is this, is that heaven will enter anyone. Okay? This is important. This comes through so clear in his sermon. Listen to this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, everybody say it, on what? All people. And then he goes, just so you get, your sons and daughters, male and female. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Doesn't matter how old you are. You can be young, you can be old. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Acts 2.21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. So this is what I say. People go, why does why God not want it? God wants everybody. <laughs> he wants every one of you in this room. And here's my favorite. Listen to this. Right after he said, you can receive, repent and be baptized, and you'll receive the forgiveness of your sins and the promised Holy Spirit. Listen, look at verse 39. And the promise is for you. Every one of you in this room, God wants to say, the promise of my spirit, if you'll receive me, is for you. And he goes on, and your children. And your children. And here's the good news, and for all who are far off. Now, isn't that good news? Because some of you might be sitting here going, oh, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. And you don't know how far away I am from God. And I just think Peter said, I think God inspired Peter to say, hey, make sure you tell everybody who's far away from me. The promise is for you. Doesn't matter what you've done or how far away you are from me. And then this is the mystery. For all whom the Lord our God will call. So can I just ask you a question this morning? Do you hear him calling you? Do you hear this? Do you, do you, has God been speaking to you this morning and saying, the promise is for you. I died for you. I gave my life for you. I want to forgive you and you and you. And oh, if you had any idea, the spiritual redwood that's inside of you, I designed you for so much more than what you're experiencing. And all you have to do is let that seed die. Die to yourself and receive me. And that seed will come to life. And you will grow and you will become everything that I designed you to be. And if you hear God calling you today, then we're going to give you a chance. I'm inviting you. Please. For the sake, and, and he goes on, right? And he says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation that says, I don't need God, I don't need God. And it's like, no, you were created for God. Save yourself from that. Be forgiven and get filled with his spirit. And the invitation is for you. So here's how we're gonna do. The band's gonna come out. And we have this whole group of people who, who already have made this decision and they're gonna get baptized. But the band's gonna play a, a, a classic Christian song called Rock of Ages, okay? And you are free to sing along or just soak in the words. It is a different tune. It's a newer tune. But man, the words are powerful. And here's what we got going on. Derek Murphy, our director of Life Together, and a few of our other leaders are going to be standing right back here in this corner. 
And we do this every Sunday, and just like first service, there are always people who God calls on this day, and he's saying, come, 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 and receive. Turn to me, and let me in, and let me forgive you, and let me fill you with the supernatural power of my Holy Spirit. You will have eternal life now. And so while they're playing the song, anybody in here who wants to get baptized, we've got towels for you, okay? We don't have a change of clothes, but we got towels for you. And we would love to have you join us in baptism. So we're just going to let this band play the song. And it's, man, it's a, it's a rocking song. It's a jam. So we're celebrating the fact that God actually gives us this new life. All right? But if you would like to respond to the invitation, join Derek and his team over here. And they'll talk you through that. After the song gets done, I'm going to baptize those who've already chosen to get baptized. And then when they're done, we'll invite any of the rest of you on this day if you want to receive eternal life and watch supernatural stuff happen inside of you. It's yours today. All right? Let's do it.